There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Thank you for joining us today on WCTV. As you can see, it's not Rob Pugh. It's not my other dear friend, Dr. Mike Spalding. It's Mark Sutherland from across the pond outside your borders looking in to your incredible country. So there is no doubt about it. I am off the fence. My guest is off the fence. We are in the streets and we are sharing our faith and getting on with what God has called us to do. It's always fascinated me in regard to people that actually sit on the fence. I don't know how they can do it because I think the spikes are very, very painful. On our side of the pond, we will then call them sofas. On this side of the pond, you will call them couches as we are encouraging people to actually get off the sofa, get off the couches and actually engage and wake up to what's going on around my guest today is a friend of mine, Chad Riley. We are going to go down the rabbit hole to discuss discuss subjects that I think personally on my side of the pond in the UK, churches do not touch, they need to touch. And I think on many, many churches within the US, it's a subject that people will, will not touch. People will not touch the fact that the whole of 20th century history and how it's been portrayed is actually a lie. And yes, I can say that because I have also done and I do loads of research and I use that incredible thing called buy books, buy books and actually read them and actually realize that the way education, the way that we've been educated over here through your Jewish system of a socialist orientated to actually then move your country away from how it was how it was founded, why it was founded to move away from the constitution and what it stands for, whereas the greatest experiment in people actually running their own country. But as Chad will come on and we will reveal and we will talk about where we are, where we are at. So without further ado, Chad, I am absolutely honored and privileged to welcome you um, as my guest today on WCTV. So thank you for joining us and how are you? Doing well, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here today with you guys. Thank you, Chad. Chad, first of all, could you introduce yourself to the audience? Because I think a number of people may may not know who you are. And if you would kindly do that, that would be a great start. Thank you. 
Yes, uh, I've uh, worked on a couple of films. I also used to do a radio show called Deception Detection Radio for about four and a half years and um, got into doing films. Uh, did one called Hollow Earth Chronicles, The Dark Chambers. I uh, also did one called Higher Entities, and then I was also a media consultant on um, Skywatches, uh, Billy the Beast. And so now I'm doing my solo project, which is going to be Skinwalkers and Stranger Things of the Unseen Realm. Chad, where in those days for you, as when you became a Christian, why what caused you to then be interested in the subjects that we are going to then be talking about i'd actually walked away from uh, christ for quite a good uh, time um it was probably right around 2011 that somebody had given me a bible and started talking to me about christ again and then one day i was on YouTube, kicking around, just go looking at videos, and I stumbled upon this uh, crazy Christian named Trey Smith, who had a video about uh, the Nephilim, as well as Enoch, and started watching his videos, and this was the first time I'd ever been exposed to anything like that. I'd never heard of the Nephilim or the, the talk of the fallen angels and stuff like that growing up in a Baptist church, so... Uh, you could say I was pretty well fascinated by these subjects and it just uh, lit a fire under me that um, hadn't burned in a long time and I guess you could say when I came back to the Lord um, I came back on fire and I'm still on this mission trying to learn as much as I possibly can and to expose uh, evil and darkness uh, wherever I encounter it and uh, whenever I have information that I feel that most people would benefit knowing, I freely share it on Facebook and all my research that I put out there. Why um, the particular Baptist church that you were attending, uh, without naming it or naming the area, why why would they not dis discuss the issues that you began to look at? I think a lot of it has to do with the um, the people within the church. Uh, a vast majority of the churches around here, well, around in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, but I've also encountered other places that you go. A lot of them are, the pastors are Masons, as well as the deacons and so on. And uh, in fact, the... Uh, pastor that was there at the time uh, at Bowles Memorial Baptist. I knew he was a Mason and he asked me if I was a Mason um, because I knew the secret handshake and I knew some of the stuff about the Masons and then he asked me if I was a friend of Hermes. That's uh, another term that they use. People that know about the Masons that shouldn't know information but they do and um, I had talked to him couple of times about the way he was preaching in there. I felt like the congregation was not getting edification and he didn't appreciate me calling him out or his preaching. So he didn't appreciate you calling him out for his preaching. 
were you the only one at that time i'm not going to focus on this too long but i'm i'm rather intrigued by this partly maybe because of my own experience but were you the only one questioning him at that time i believe i was i didn't hear from anybody else that had gone in and talked to him but you know the the main thing that they always wanted to focus on was that you know we need to make sure that people are showing up that the the pews are being filled and that the offering is going on the plate and so does that mean that we does that mean that we would say that the the this the kind of things that were being talked about we would actually say are what called tickling ears as the uh, as i think two thessalonians talks about chad let's let's move into this because what i'm intrigued by is what is by what you're looking at and i have a there's a similar walk in the fact that in 2010 I then uh, read Genesis 6 verses 1 to 8 about the fallen angels coming down to earth and having sex with human women. And I'd just like to say that that is not a subject that is regularly really talked about within the UK along with the flood. And both of those are, are in parallel, in my opinion, and both of those are linked. So, Chad, why is this history hidden? It may seem a very simple question but maybe the clue is in deception detection. But why is all this history hidden when it is so, so important? Because I believe it's then used to bring people to Christ. What's your opinion on that? I believe that they wanted to uh, cause as much chaos and disruption around information that points to Christ. Um, and when I say that, I mean, we're talking about the shape of the earth, um, the hollow earth, any, anything that has to do with the actual Bible, they will do anything within their power, even creating so-called space agencies and trying to say that we live on a spinning bowl and thousands of miles an hour, uh, hurtling even faster than that. And yet the stars in the sky never change. They are still exactly the way they were thousands of years ago so uh, it, like i said it requires more faith to believe in nasa and all the lies that they are telling people than it does to believe in the, your your bible are you um well let's go there because i'm not afraid to go into any any subject because it's not a salvation issue but it's how we use it how we can also use these things as discussion to bring people to to jesus and that's the most important thing are you um are you hinting that we may never have actually gone to the moon, Chad? What are your what are your thoughts on that? I, th- I think they totally fake going to the moon. I believe that um, you know, Stanley Kubrick was involved. Um, there's been enough evidence to show that that is most likely the case. In fact, it was just here recently that two uh, Russian astronauts came out and. Accused the uh, the whole NASA agency as well as the astronauts that said that they went to the moon, called them liars to their faces, and said that there's absolutely zero proof on the moon that we've ever been there. So recently, um, you spoke at a conference. Could you just mention what that conference was? Because we will then lead into it because of the particular subject matters that you were discussing. It was a conference put on by Dean Odell and Fire and Grace Church. It was called Skyfall 2023. 
And uh, Pastor Dean had reached out to me and asked me if I would come and speak at the, at the conference and told me I was probably one of the best researchers that he has uh, or that he's encountered. And I told him, I said, well, don't sell yourself short because I said, I put you right there with me. I said, I look at a lot of the stuff that you're posting and talking about. In fact, he's one of the, the pastors that talks about flat earth and like when I say that he has done his homework and that he's brought the documents, trust me when I say that, he has brought the documents. He's gone through the CIA, he's gone through all the military sites, DARPA, you name it. And he has produced well over 200 documents that all say the same thing, that we live on a non-rotating flat earth. And these are in their own government documents talking about satellites, tracking lasers you name it and they're all saying the exact same thing so, so and, this, and, that, and that's that's the thing about flat earth i mean i will say this what would what would what would be the quickest thing or the quickest way to get people to question is there a creator and how did we get here what what could you think that could be much quicker than anything else on the planet is that everybody were to find out all at once that we lived inside of a terrarium and that it had boundaries and walls that we couldn't get through what would be the first two questions that would ensue who made it and who put us here so could you explain to me then why we have videos of and hear me i'm no i'm no expert on this i am open very open-minded because i think we all need to very calmly have these discussions because one of the things that does upset me within the truth of movement at times is that we're very very quick to throw brick bats at people we're very quick to in fact be rude to each other which i think is something that has to stop we have to calmly sit down and have discussion, even though, of course, we say this is not a salvation issue. But you're absolutely right, Chad. This enables a discussion with people to then be used to do the most important thing that we're called to do, which is to bring people to salvation. Mm -hmm. um, Chad, why is there then an ice wall? Why... Why was there a banning, as, a, as another friend of mine has talked about with me, why was there a banning in regard to going down to Antarctica? Where does Admiral Byrd play into this? And Admiral Byrd's YouTube and the, uh, the interview with him, Admiral Byrd, I believe, died in 1946, 1947, um, which is, sorry, no, he led a, an expedition down there called Operation High Jump. Could you, could you talk about Admiral Byrd and what happened there and going down to the South Atlantic? Um, Operation High Jump, they went down there because they knew that the Nazis had been going down there uh, on their new Schwaberland edition, um, where they were trying to find an entrance inside of the hollow earth. That's back when the Nazis were traveling the entire planet. There was a division called the Honor Nerve that was looking for all these ancient artifacts as well as books and documents, uh, specifically these books called the Eddas, 
Um, they were looking for an entrance into the hollow earth uh, because of all of the Blavatsky research that she had done on the seven root races. And her seven root races, you know, the first two, or at least the first one, the first root race that they talk about, they're not even human. They're, they're some sort of ethereal beings. And then, um, what is it? The fourth root race was the Atlanteans. And by the accounts of what they talk about, as far as the Atlanteans go, we can clearly tell that they are talking about the Nephilim because in one of the stanzas that's inside the Secret Doctrine Volume 2, one of them is called the Book of Dizion. And in that one, one of the things that she had translated said that they built statues as tall as themselves, which was nine yachts high. Well, a yachty is the same as a yard, so nine times three is 27 feet tall which directly ties them into Genesis 6. And so the Aryans are a direct descendant of the Atlanteans. So they, you know, everybody thinks that this was all about eugenics and they were looking for the master race. Well, it was to a certain degree, but when you understand that they were wanting to tap, in, tap into that Nephilim bloodline, it makes even more sense. And it makes it that much more, you know, nefarious and, insane. So going back to um, your talk, and at some point during the program, it's really, really important to show the trailer of your up and coming film, which we will do. And I want to take the time to do that. Chad, I, I, I watched your talk that you gave, which is one hour and 11 minutes, and I recommend everyone to watch that. The particular church that you were then speaking at we can't say that that church is, is an average church in America, is it? Because it's trying to tackle subjects that most people stay away from. Is that a fair, is that a fair point? That is a very fair point. In fact, I've only ever encountered one other pastor in the United States that even remotely talks about some of the subjects that he does. And they even disagree on a few items. But I will say this, that Pastor Dean is the real deal. Um, he does not care what people think about what he's up there discussing. If this, if he believes it's the truth and he's done enough research into it and, and verify, that's why, you know, he goes out, he does all the laser tests as well as the, the, um, what is it? The P900 and P1000 cameras where they go out and they shoot over vast amounts of distance and there's no curvature. I mean, he's all about putting his money where his mouth is and, and not only finding the documents that support this, but actually doing the scientific test to verify. And he that's the thing. He uses their own science against them. They're saying that, you know, it's, uh, what is it, eight inches per square mile um, curvature. And he goes out and he does the stuff where he can see um, anywhere between, you know, we're talking hundreds of feet. Um, I mean, big, 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 I mean, not 700 feet, I mean, uh, like 70 miles and things like that, you know, where you should not be able to see these things. In fact, uh, there was one guy he was just talking about on Sunday who lives over in uh, Israel and that he did this thing where he knew where the sun was going to be setting by this mountain that was about 700 miles away, six, 
six to seven hundred miles away, and that he had his his camera all zoomed in and could see the sunset, could see the mountains. Right. Now, if that was the case, there's no way he should have been able to see any of this. Right. If the math, if if the if the math equations and everything is correct, you know, and you're doing that science, it should not. You should not be able to see these things. Right. Let's let's put things in a, another historical perspective. Can you go more into Admiral Byrd? Because there is an, a 14 minute interview that is on YouTube because something then happened after that, I believe, which was then, um, you know, the laws of Antarctica and then saying that you couldn't go down there. But could you explain more details about the uh, the flotilla of ships and everything that he actually led down to the South Atlantic. Yeah, it was uh, Operation Paperclip, um, or not Operation Paperclip, it was uh, Operation High Jump. High Jump, yes. And uh, he had, uh, what is it, he had the Australian Navy, he also had the British Navy as well as the American Navy. It was 14 ships. Um, they were supposed to have gone down there for an entire year, and I believe they were only there for like two months. Um, they ended up cutting it, cutting it short and coming back. But uh, some of the people that were there that were on board said that they saw craft come out of the water. And that these craft did not fly like any other craft they'd ever seen before. Uh, the way they described it, they were anti-gravitical um, craft that uh, could go in any direction and had no means of propulsion. And um, they said that they had some sort of uh, energy weapons is how they described it. Um, and later reports, I think I saw something about a particle weapon they described it as, but they talked about this, these energy weapons that could literally cut through metal hulls of ships, like a uh, knife going, uh, a hot knife going through butter. And in fact, one of the ships that they took down there did not return with the other uh, ships. And in fact, it was taken out of the, uh, the Navy record saying that it was lost um, for several, several years. And then later it was mysteriously re-added back into the, into the um, list of ships. So they took that ship out. Why did they take that ship out? Is that because you're saying that it was attacked by the particular craft that came out of the sea? Yes. Right. Have, have, do you know what exactly happened to that ship? Are there details describing? Was it like laser weapons or whatever? I just said that when these craft came out of the uh, water, there was three that were flying in a Luftwaffe formation, which... Um, is, is a German formation. They, they used to fly their aircraft in these Luftwaffe uh, formations. In fact, the, the, the UFOs that buzzed the White House back in 1952 during the merry-go-round incident, supposedly whenever they saw the first night that the UFOs were flying over the White House, they said that they were flying in the Luftwaffe positions as well, which is one on top and then two uh, spaced out below the one where it looks like a triangle pyramid. Chad, where does the whole occult rhetoric of the Nazis fit in to all of this? Where is it 
as you've said, Blavatsky, we talk about Alistair Crowley. You, in your talk, you uncover a particular um, FBI paper. I think it's either 6751, etc. You talk about historical documents. You talk about history. So where where has all that come in? into American culture. What event happened to then facilitate that? Um, 6751 is an FBI document that was declassified. Uh, not exactly sure when it was declassified, but I stumbled upon that one back probably around 2015, maybe 2016. And I've told everybody that I come across about it um, because I feel like it's one of the most compelling pieces of evidence that uh, the military has actually put out, not just because of what it says, but, you know, also some of the things that it's not saying in there when it talks about the Talas and the Lokas. And it says that people who are familiar with esoteric terms will understand this and things like that. And it's like, okay, what are these talas and locusts? So I go and start looking into that. Well, that has to do with a lot of the Hindu uh, texts like the Vedas and things like that. And uh, talks about, um, what is it? The, uh, it talks about interdimensions and, and so on. So, I mean, it's like, you know, you start looking into a lot of the beliefs of ancient uh, religions and so on. It's like they're all pretty much saying the same thing. It's just the vocabulary might change here and there on a few things, but uh, they're all talking about the same thing that these uh, these things are coming from the heavenlies or other dimensions and so on. And that's within a variety of cultures across the broad chat. Is that a fair comment? Yes. Right. So, Jonathan, if we if we just get ready to line up line up the trailer of uh, of Chad's film, that would be uh, that would be fantastic. Excuse me, as I keep getting various things come up on my computer that I'm dealing with. Chad, so far in our conversation, in our interview, we may find people that would be beginning to dis- dismiss us in one way, dismiss this particular subject. But I, I want to come, I want to drill down to, um, in a second, but where does um, Operation Paperclip come in to all, to all of this, in your opinion? Well, after the, the Nazis supposedly lost the war and uh, Hitler was killed, killed, yeah, um, when we got the FBI document showing that he fled to Argentina and talking to people like uh, Timothy Alvarino. He uh, is good friends with a guy named Ansel P. Rambla who wrote a book on the Chincana, which is an underground highway out there in uh, Peru going from Bolivia all the way to the Amazon rainforest and supposedly all the way under the ocean leading down to Antarctica. So if that be the case, and I believe that it probably is, that makes a lot of sense why Hitler wanted to get to Argentina because it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to hit that chincana and be down there. And from what Ansel P. Rambla described, those underground highways, he said that they were gigantic megalithic stones, A-framed. And he said that you could take two of the buses in England, those red double-decker buses, put them side by side and have them driving 
underground and that they would be able to easily drive south by side. You said a, an interesting word there, supposedly lost the war. Could you expand on that, please? I don't believe that the, the Nazis actually lost the war. I think that they just changed zip codes is all they did. Some fled down to um, to um, Antarctica. The others were absorbed by the United States as well as Russia. And then they executed a few during the Nuremberg trials. But uh, any of them that were worth their weight and research and knowledge, they, they were spared. And uh, like I said, a vast majority of the Nazis that came over under Operation Paperclip, they were absorbed into the USO, which eventually became the CIA. And then a few others went into NASA, supposedly, um, like uh, Werner von Braun, as well as his um, person that was over him, who was the one that made the statement, uh, we can't take credit for advancements in aircraft today because we've been helped. And when they asked him, they said, help by who? He said, help from people of other worlds. Yes, I've heard, um, I've, I've heard those uh, comments. And in that sense, it's paying also tribute to someone that I had the privilege to know, which was Russ, Russ Darren Hall, all of his um, research and uh, ex- explanation on this subject as well. Because what's very interesting to me over the last few years with what's been going on with this whole COVID thing and Klaus Schwab and Klaus Schwab's linked with with the with the Nazis historically through his father running a factory next door to one of the uh, concentration camps. Um, the fact is, is that the new word for fascism is public-private partnership, how companies are then absorbed into government policy um jonathan if we could very kindly um play uh chad's trailer because that will then help our help our discussion and and show our audience to how far um chad chad quite rightly is down the rabbit hole with his bible in hand and to some that may be a controversial thing to even say but we are asking people to not believe us, but to think and go and do their own research. So, Jonathan, if we could play the trailer, that'd be fantastic. Thank you.
Jonathan, thank you so much for uh, facilitating that. Chad, when is your film coming out for people to watch? I'm hoping to have it completed in the next two months and that it will be available. And then how will people be able to watch it? It will be available on Vimeo in uh, HD, 1080p, for anybody to watch. Okay, brilliant. Well, you must uh, inform us, must inform everyone of how we can uh, get hold of that when you are finally finished with that. And thank you. One of the um, the talk that you gave, could you just quickly um, give the date of where, where that is and where people can actually find that talk online? Yeah, if you go on uh, YouTube and type in Skinwalkers and Stranger Things of the Unseen Realm and then Skyfall, 2023 it should come up uh, immediately right uh, i know that they've uploaded it i uploaded it and uh you can you can easily find it what were the um at the beginning of that thank you we're just finding out now thank you jonathan what were the questions that you asked at the beginning of your talk do you remember uh that was uh three questions that ted had asked me to ask whenever i got up there and I asked if anybody had uh, seen it, if any of them had uh, ever experienced sleep paralysis, I think was one, if they experienced sleep paralysis. The other one was, had they ever seen a UFO or an orb? And then the last one was, had anybody ever been abducted? Um, how many people put their hands up to those questions? The first two questions, I would say probably about at least uh, more than 30% of the people in there. Right. And um, when I when I asked about the abduction, I didn't see anybody any any hands go up. I've actually met someone who says that they were abducted and showed some uh, pinprick marks that were just visible in their neck. So I'll just put that out there because uh, when people call us, um, they say, you know, you're wearing a tinfoil hat. I say, well you're wearing a blindfold it's not to be provocative as very often i find people are quite rude in the fact that we are exploring things and they think well that's moving outside scripture and, we, and i'm going no it's not because we are in this spiritual battle in your talk you go through this history and i want to talk about this could you explain about alistair crowley could you talk about then moving into the 50s and all the all the occult input that has come from the nazis into the pentagon into uh american society via that and of course rosdisdar in the when he was with us and uh, now in heaven as was talking about these subjects as well as well as others could you go down that line for a little while yeah um crowley was probably one of the darkest magicians on the planet. He, um, a lot of his research came out of uh, Blavatsky's teachings, and uh, he himself was uh, mixed up in a lot of the, um, the dark arts, we'll say. Um, he did a, a ritual called the Ala Mantra Working, where he supposedly summoned uh, and he didn't refer to them as angels or demons he referred to them as Enochian entities but the, if you look at them they look like a gray alien and uh, they acted and and their attributes were more demonic than anything um, 
but he supposedly contacted a being called Awas, and then the second one he contacted was named Lamb, and that I believe it was Lamb that quoted him the Book of the Law that he wrote down that eventually became the Satanic Bible. But uh, he had a um, an order of magic that he called Thelema that um, was getting really big here in the United States. He also had these temples called the OTO, the Ordeo Templi Ordeonis. And, um, you know, I mean, there, there's all sorts of crazy stuff surrounding that. In fact, uh, the San Francisco Lodge, supposedly Charles Manson was mixed up with it. Um, so, you know, if that be the case, and, you know, that makes it even far darker than what people thought it was, you know, the whole helter-skelter thing. But um, I know for a fact that he had two understudies that were, um, in fact, it was Jack Parsons was his original understudy. And then when he encountered L. Ron Hubbard, he was so fascinated at how L. Ron was just picking it up and that uh, he was, you know, willing to go further than, you know, even he thought about going at times. And that was the thing is like him and uh, Parsons were kind of like trailblazers because they were willing to and wanting to do stuff that even Crowley was afraid to do or even willing to go. And um, that's the thing is L. Ron Hubbard is the same L. Ron Hubbard that uh, was a failed science fiction writer and also went on to create Scientology. And uh, so, you know, the fact that these people had as much sway and um, I guess, you know, influence on the world, you know, it's like it's, it's, it's more frightening than anything that they did have that much sway over people. And, um, you know, Parsons was well known for, you know, doing satanic rituals before test, test launches of rockets, trying to invoke the Greek god Pan. Um, you know, they took the Amalantra working and tweaked it, and they came up with this new thing called the Babylon Working Ritual that they performed between 1946 to 1947. And in fact, Kenneth Grant, who is the person that took over the Lima and the OTO after um, Crowley died, he, on two different occasions, said that the Great Saucer Flap from 1947 could easily be traced back to the OTO and Jack Parsons and everything, and that, you know, he literally bragged that, you know, it was our organization and it was one of our initiates that um, brought all this about. Sorry uh, to jump, sorry to jump in. Could you explain who the, the OTO, could you put the letter, the letters to that organization? Yes, that's the Ordeo Templi Ordeonis. And like I said, that's just the uh, fraternal lodge of uh, Thelema and all that that uh, do all their ninth degree sex magic rituals and so on. Um, uh, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, because whenever I first heard about sex magic and things like that, I was like, what, what, what is the significance of this? You know, why, why are they interested? Let alone, why are they doing this? And there's, there's some books out there. I can't think of one of them right off the top of my head that I paid probably about 70 or $80 for. 
but it had some of the best breakdowns in there talking about this stuff that they, if their belief was that if you can, if two people that are in love that are brought together in union under God can create a life and create something beautiful that by doing something so nasty, disgusting and perverse and bringing ritual magic into it. And they talk about, you know, getting to the point where they're literally almost passing out. And they call this traversing the abyss, um, that they believe that they can create something demonic and that while they are in these altered states, traveling through the abyss or down into shell, Hades and things like that, as they come back, they bring things back with them. Right. This, this is their beliefs. I don't know why they do it like that. Chad, where does um, are you saying that so Parsons then was overseeing seances when rockets were being launched? Um, and there, the first head of NASA is Vernon von Brun, who was head of Hitler's rocketry during the Second World War. So, all of these people, all of this te- technology is then absorbed into then the military industrial complex in America, but where. Who was involved in the occult practice? You show the within your trailer the twelve people, the majestic. Within um, in your talk, you've made reference to Valerie. You've uh, you've made reference to uh, satanic rituals, etc., that have gone into the Pentagon in regard to the weapons technology, etc. And then um, mind mind control etc where does that all all fit in to the military industrial complex and how has that played out yeah the uh the nazis that came over here under project paperglyph um like i said they were originally uh absorbed into the oss which later became the cia uh, it was the cia who was doing a lot of this stuff that was getting into uh altered states of mind um as well as doing, um, you know, they, 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 they had already done a lot of this stuff back over in Germany, back when they had the Thule Society and the Brill Society and so on. There was two of the Brill maidens. One, her name was Maria Orsic. The other one was another one called Sigrum. And these two were like the top leading Brill maidens that they had. They, um, in fact, one of the things that they were tasked with was making contact with a dead Nazi soldier that had not uh, completed his mission and got the information to them before he was uh, uh, killed in battle. And so when they did this seance to make contact with this dead soldier to get that information, that's when they made contact with somebody from the Aldebaran system who started talking about the nine. And that's another thing that uh, you start looking into all the different civilizations and pantheons all across the planet. They all talk about these nine deities that rule over all the other gods and, and so on. And, uh, you know, they're pure rich and, and some of the others that were, um, part of the round table that Gene Roddenberry and several other people were all part of. They all talk about the nine. In fact, the nine is completely encoded in everything in Star Trek. The NCC 1701-1701 equals nine. Nine crew members on the bridge, deep space nine. Um, the nine gods 
the, of the Bajorans that live in the wormhole. And I mean, we can sit here and just go on and on talking about this. And uh, that was the thing is like, you know, Roddenberry was a failed uh, TV show writer or something back in those days, but uh, all the information that he was getting from this, these supposed beings, the nine that they were channeling, he was uh, putting all this down and eventually turned it into Star Trek. And like I said, when you hear his whole words talking about a lot of this stuff, it's, it's pretty uh, spine chilling. But uh, after, after what I was talking about, about the, um, the, the uh, them getting all into all this occult and esoteric stuff, tapping into these powers, they knew that altered states of mind could uh, lead uh, to these other realms where they could make contact. And so by achieving these altered states of mind, um, you know, not just in ritual magic, but even sometimes through drugs and so on, um, they were getting off into really dark, super demonic realms. In fact, the whole TV show Stranger Things is actually based on a true event called the Montauk Project. In fact, the Duffer Brothers who wrote Stranger Things, the original title for the TV show was called the Montauk Project. In fact, Netflix made them change the name because they didn't want anybody looking or thinking about the actual uh, history or story about that because there was a lot of talk about them. They were kidnapping children off the street and they mainly targeted runaways and things like that. But uh, children were pushed through. They would severely beat them. They would torture them, not just physically, but sexually. Um, they would make them watch them kill other children, uh, kill animals. You know, some of the most horrific things you could think of, they were, that, that's what these children were subjected to. And that, um, like you were talking about Russ Dutar, that was one of the things that he brought up in his Black Awakening, where he talked about a lot of the satanic ritual abuse. In fact, one of his most famous quotes that I always quote is that he said that they were deliberately trying to shatter their minds. And by doing so, by shattering these, the minds of these young children, they opened them up to demonic possession. Chad, in your opinion, the last few years, um, in regard to COVID, COVID pandemic of uh, stupidity, that's I'll just say it. Um, where does that fit in to all of the previous history and all of that? Uh, you've been that you i we have been discussing um in the show so far where where are we at with this i i reference klaus schwab's nazi links um where where are we at do you think in in all of this um and looking at it from biblical uh, point of view looking at it from from uh, a judgment point of view um all of this being in the hand of god what do you what are your thoughts uh, I believe it ties a lot into it. Um, I mean, who were some of the most people that were uh, against going out and doing the vaccine? Um, you know, more than Christians. I, I can't really name anybody um, because, like I said, it's the Christians were the ones who were the most defiant. And not only about us getting this vaccine, but even trying to tell us that we couldn't get together and that we couldn't worship and that they were arresting pastors as well as church members that tried to even go to church. 
So, you know, more what, than anything. Sorry, what you're saying is, is how the church then fell into line with all of this. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of them did. I mean, not, you know, not only that, but just the, they, a lot of churches were even promoting going out and getting the, the vaccine. Hmm. And so, like I said, it's, uh, I mean, it's a sad day. It's, it's, it's truly sad more than anything that, you know, that this is the day and age of, this, of the church. I mean, literally, the the apostles would be rolling in their graves if they they saw how everybody's acting down here right now. Um, it's 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 sad. It's more sad than anything. Well, to be fair to you, it isn't just what's happened in American churches; it's happened in in the UK. So, moving on, moving on from that, where does all of the previous things that we've been discussing? right now fit into what's going on because i'll throw this out because so we've got i'm not an expert on this i'm relying on you i'm relying on uh, other friends of mine as well including uh la marzuli etc so we look at the roswell incident in 1947 if you can either touch on why that is so important then we look at the formation of israel in 1948 you, I think, re- referred to the uh, the merry-go-round picture around uh, in Washington, whether that was in 1951 or 1952. But we look spiritually at all these links. We look at the fact that in the First World War, um, they were using gas. My great-uncle was uh, killed partly because of that uh, as a captain when he was 20. We go to the uh, nine, we go to uh, 1940. Go to the Second World War. We look at the uh, the uh, I.G. Fairbairn, the creation, the creation of uh, Cyclone B, the the gas that um, the gas that actually uh, then was created by I.G. Fairbairn, which was this pharmaceutical industry. That was that uh, the conglomerate that was brought together, headed by Bayer, headed by Carl Duisberg, to protect their pharmaceutical industry. With all of this history that we know, Chad, where does that all sit in what has now gone on? Where does the Deagle website fit in about depopulating the Earth? Suddenly, there was an experiment to ex- exterminate six million Jews etc and now they seem to be doing it worldwide what, what are your thoughts on this and why is the why has the church not paid attention i know it's a long-winded question as we're coming towards the end of the show but what are your thoughts 1947 was the tipping point that's when everything changed and i'm not just talking about the year there's a lot more to it that i'm not even going to go into right now but when i say 1947 is a big deal that was that was it uh, you know, not just that the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. You talked about Israel becoming a nation in 48. Well, it was agreed upon in 1947. wasn't announced until 1948. So that actually occurred in 1947. And like I said, when you go through all the significant things that happened in 1947, not just in technology, but everything that was going on, the fact that um, the first famous sighting occurred in 1947 by Kenneth Arnold. He was the one who saw the nine craft flying over Mount Rainier, Washington, and they termed the coin flying saucers. 
And after that came out, that uh, that that happened, or whatever, it was one week later, the Roswell crash happened. And like I said, when the government really started looking into why there was an uptick in 1947 with all this stuff going on, it was their research that led them to Jack Parsons as well as L. Ron Hubbard and the Babylon working ritual. The ritual they were doing was trying to bring about end times and to bring about the Antichrist. In fact, Parsons referred to himself as the Antichrist. You had Crowley who referred to himself as the B666. And then um, supposedly uh, Parsons said he was contacted by the spirit of the moonchild that they produced. They did the Babylon working ritual and that identified itself as Hilarion. And so, like I said, and, you know, not only the whole thing about Parsons and Kenneth Grant, that they were flying buddies. It's another thing that a lot of people don't know is that there are several people who have come out and said that these two guys were friends and that they used to fly together. And then the Robert Goddard, who was from Roswell, who also did rocket technology, was also a friend of uh, both of these gentlemen. So you got Robert Goddard, you got Kenneth Grant, and you got Jack Parsons. You got a Roswell, the UFO, uh, Mount Rainier, Flying Saucer, and then Parsons, Babylon Working Ritual Connection there. Chad, why, why would people be critical of us? And we're coming to the last few minutes of the show to even discuss any of this, to even look back and say, what has all that got to do with following Christ? What are your thoughts? My my answer to that would be is that it is wise to know your enemy, not just your enemy, but their tactics, their weapons of war and so on. It's like, would you step on a battlefield and fight an army that you knew zero about? Or would you want to know about that army, what kind of weapons they use and their fighting tactics? It's as simple as that. But that's interesting, isn't it? Because as the music that opens this show says, get off the fence and onto the street. And you've just described the battlefield. I mean, could you even explain to me uh, what kind of numbers on our side we actually have on the battlefield? Because I get the impression there's not many very, there's not many of us at times. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I believe that there's a lot of Christians out there that think that they're Christian. They think that they're walking with Christ and that they are living a, a, a Christ-like life or whatever. But uh, if you actually compare it against Scripture, a lot of them are not walking with Christ or living in Christ. They're still consumed of a lot of things in this world. And, um, you know, the, there, there's people that, that I honestly think that they can sit around and drink and get drunk and that they can go to church on Sunday and that everything's a-okay. And it's like the Bible clearly says that no drunkard will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, so if you are drinking and getting drunk, you know, and you got those out there who say that once saved, always saved, that's, that's total rubbish too. You know, you can, you can lose your salvation. You can literally throw it away if you want to. That's part of the free will that we have. And there's quite a few scriptures in the Bible that talk about that. So that's the thing is if you are doing things that you know are keeping you from Christ, 
you need to stop these things. You need to repent and you need to quit. Thank you for saying that, because I think one of the other biggest warnings that Jesus gave, gives that in these times is to do not be deceived. Chad, thank you so much. And in the last, uh, in our last uh, 30 seconds, could you just quickly describe where, quickly say where people can find you? Oh, yes, you can find me on uh, YouTube right now. If you go in there and type in uh, True Seekers Research, True Seekers, all one word. And then uh, also um, you can just type in Chad Riley and Skinwalkers and Stranger Things, the Unseen Realm, if you want to see the talk. Brilliant. Chad, I just want to say thank you very much for for joining us today. And I just say to people, whatever whatever people think of the subjects that we've discussed, please Go and do go and do your own research, but also more importantly, it's how we conduct ourselves in the in these discussions, which is to not be rude to each other, but to actually say that we are all working as hard as we can to tell people about Jesus and salvation in Him, because that is the only answer, and that's what we're called to do. Thank you for joining me today on WCTV. Thank you, Chad um, Riley, for being my amazing guest and beginning to open up a very interesting discussion that we, and I hope, to continue on various platforms that I have the privilege to be on. So thank you very much indeed for joining us today. It's my honor. Thank you.